You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast interview with Leah Thomas, author of The Intersectional Environmentalist. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Intersectional environmentalism to me means prioritizing social justice in environmental movements and really thinking about what communities are most impacted by different environmental injustices. So for example, in the United States, a lot of communities of color, Black, Indigenous communities, and also lower income communities struggle with things like unclean air and unclean water, and those are environmental injustices. So I thought it was important to have an intersectional approach to environmental advocacy that doesn't ignore these things and these intersections of identity, but explores them to make sure that every community, especially those most impacted by environmental injustices, no longer are. And I wanted to write a really accessible introduction that was targeted at school kids or anyone who wants to learn more. So I think the first step is definitely awareness. I know when I was the only Black student in my environmental science program, I didn't quite understand why I really wanted to focus on the environmental injustices that were going on in my neighborhood or the concept of, you know, racial justice was always kind of intertwined with my environmental advocacy. So it's something that I want other communities of color to understand that's okay, that you can show up to this field and also, I don't know, have empathy for your own community and that you don't need to separate your identity from your environmental practice. And including your cultural background can actually enhance the work that you do because I think it's such a beautiful thing that we all have different identity aspects, whether that's religion, race, gender, etc., So I think that's the first step, making sure that representation is there so all people can see themselves reflected in environmental education and feel empowered to know that they belong and they can take their identity with them and that enhances their environmental practice. And secondly, through the Intersectional Environmentalist platform, we love to platform students who are working on climate justice research and share it through kind of untraditional means. So they might not be published and in in a scientific paper, but it's something they can share amongst their peers in our community of about half a million people, etc. So it's another way for them to share their research at the intersection of identity and environmentalism to more people. And that's something I really enjoy with our work, just letting people know that yeah, your work is important. And even if it's not published in a scientific paper, there is a really big community of people out there that are interested in learning and might even relate with that research. I thought it was really fun to have kind of a quote unquote mother and a father of environmental justice because learning about environmentalism in school, you kind of look at specific figures like John Muir, etc., And I wanted people to also have that association when it came to the environmental justice movement, because I think sometimes that really is a helpful learning tool for students. So in particular, Hazel M. Johnson, I'm so fascinated by her because she's often not really written about in environmental textbooks at all. But she was just a woman in Chicago who had no environmental experience, but she started realizing that a lot of people in her community, including her husband, We're getting all sorts of forms of cancers and other heart disease and things like that at what she suspected were alarming rates. 
So when she investigated, she found that her neighborhood was built on top of toxic waste and other things. And she defined this term called a toxic donut that her community and so many other communities that were similar to hers that were lower income and primarily black neighborhoods that were formerly redlined were surrounded by a toxic donut of waste of landfills, highways running through their neighborhoods, and sometimes even buried radioactive waste, etc. So she was one of the first people who really made a stir about this. And I think something that's really cool in her work, and then also Dr. Robert Bullard's who formalized that hunch that she had and produced the first study on toxic waste and race and really made the field of environmental justice, is that they also were really just faith-based people that spoke about this amongst their churches. And I think, again, that's something that's really cool because in the environmental or scientific community, sometimes people do try to separate faith advocacy from, you know, science. However, these are people that were mobilizing in their churches and talking about it in their sermons and seeing how they could transform their communities to be better for people and planet. So I think it's just a great story. And I really want people to know the names of people like Hazel Ann Johnson and Dr. Robert Bullard, just like they know the names of people like John Muir, because they've done such a beautiful job and I want their legacies to be remembered. So I created a blog. It's called Green Girl Leah. I was back when I was in college. And again, I really just wanted to show people my life and what I was up to as an environmental science student at the time. And what happened pretty unintentionally is that there were other Black women or just women in general that said, hey, I'm a woman or I'm a Black woman that also really cares about the earth or I'm someone who wants to explore this. So as I just posted what I was doing in my everyday life, kind of cultivated this community and realized the potential for social media to be a representation tool. So even if they weren't seeing these stories and documentaries yet, which is definitely changing, or in books, they could log on to Instagram and kind of find that representation, which I think is one of the beautiful parts of social media. You can find really niche communities. So I've been doing that since around 2016, 2017. And I also have been writing and pitching articles since then as well. And I think it's really important for me not just to preach to the choir of environmental people that already understand what's going on in the world. So that's why I really wanted to pitch publications like Vogue. And I've written, I think, I don't know why I could write more, but I like this. I've written one article for Vogue since 2020, and it's kind of just a diary entry of kind of what I've been thinking. And I love coming back to those pieces. And if anyone's curious, you can go to my Vogue profile and you'll see what I was thinking in 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023 and how my advocacy has kind of evolved. I've also written for publications like Marie Claire and even Playboy. And in each of these, I'm talking about environmental justice because I really just want to reach as many people as possible. And this year, I actually did my first investigative piece with Vogue and I went to Coachella, the music festival, to look at their sustainability practices and how they were handling the amount of waste and also incorporating environmental education into the programming, which was really fun. So I'm really just trying to meet people where they're at and talk about environmentalism in a way that's really accessible to them. Something I haven't really shared publicly is that coming from the Midwest, I grew up in Missouri, UCLA was my dream school that I wanted to go to, and I didn't go, but it's so cool and I'm so amazed because UCLA picked the IE book for their common experience reader, 
So they select a book every year to give out to their freshman cohort, and then they weave it into the curriculum. And then we also have a series of events. They just hosted an environmental justice concert, which was really cool. But I thought it was amazing, and especially as a first-time writer, and I wrote the book when I was maybe 25 or 26 years old. It's really just such a dream because this is the purpose that I wrote the book for. So people who are starting their environmental education journey could learn about the intersections of social justice and environmentalism, regardless of what they're studying. And I think it's kind of a testament to how I've navigated throughout my career. Sometimes when I talk about environmental justice, I'm really passionate because it's impacting you know my community. And oftentimes people... Well, throughout my career, I've had to kind of have a bucket of facts to make sure that people understand, again, this isn't just my personal opinion and really root it in the science and the facts and putting them in the book so people know, again, like you said, this isn't just something that's a theory that I have. This is rooted in fact. And yeah, it's kind of a testament to how I've shown up and how I think a lot of even scientists of color sometimes show up trying to demand justice in their communities. So always having that fact and then always having the personal experience intertwined. And that's what motivated me to write the book. I guess I want young people to know, I know it sounds like a cliche, but progress is better than perfection. I think with environmental advocacy, sometimes people feel like it's like an all or nothing thing and it gets really intense. But I want to show people there's so many ways to participate. So whether that's, you know, shopping at your local farmer's market, honestly, supporting your local economy is one of the most sustainable things you can do. Even if like your friend is making soap in her dorm room, hopefully it's safe, but like supporting your friends and their businesses. That's really the most sustainable thing you can do going thrift shopping and then just getting really curious about what's going on in your community, looking up, okay, do people even 15 minutes down the highway from me also have the same access to healthy food or, you know, whatever it might be and trying to get involved in any way that makes sense to you. So if that's, you know, liking and sharing things on social media, donating, volunteering, protesting, whatever it is. I just want young people to know that they are so important. The skills that they have are really important and can be applied to the movements that they care about. So just to show up exactly as they are. And yeah, it's going to take all of us to, you know, make sure our planet is as healthy as possible for people and the planet. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.